hope to see you all here again next week. And if I could just remind you to silence your cell phones. And it's my pleasure to introduce our main speaker for tonight, Janelle from Laguna Beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so I have been sober 237,235 hours, 9,885 days, 324, oh, I have a Facebook message. No. Uh, three, three, well, I do. 324.76 months and 27.06 years. So my sobriety date is, don't clap, my sobriety date is March 27th, 1988. I always say my sobriety date, I always want to remember it, so I'll never forget it. Um, okay, uh, I want to say it's always, well, I'm not going to lie. It's not always a pleasure to talk at AA meetings. I mean, it's Sunday night. Game of Thrones is on. I mean, really. Okay, I, I, I got to be real. It's about being rigorously honest. But thank goodness for DVRs. So, <laughs> so in the meantime, um, I'm welcome to the to the new people and. Uh, and to the people who've taken chips tonight. I want to thank my friend Cindy for agreeing to come here and hang out with me. I love Cindy so much. She was going on about, you know, she, she is such a great and shining example of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, and she just jumped right into general service. I am a general service freak. I love general service. and. Um, and I love you, Cindy. So thank you for being my partner tonight. Okay? Uh, I was born and raised in New York City. Get the road. No. Uh, <laughs> um, I was um, in an area called Harlem. Yes. Yeah, Jersey girl. Of, of course, it's gentrified now. And so, um, and I'm an only child, which is perfect. <laughs> well, it is. And um, at a certain age, um, which was like three or four years old, I was singing and dancing in front of the television. And so, they, so I was sent to dancing school. And so what happened was I uh, was put on television. And then I did theater, professional theater, and all of that stuff. Uh, when I was um, at the age of, um, I did my first professional production uh, at the age of five at a, at a, in a, the New York City Center. And so from the age of five to eight, oh no, five to maybe 11, I did a lot of television and a lot of theater in New York, um, which was perfect 
for a uh, uh, for a um, alcoholic, a little alcoholic in the making. I get paid to show off, and um, and that was wonderful. But when I reached the age of eleven, I got um, I was washed up. Uh, I was too. I was too. Uh, I want to be over here. Huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I was too uh, 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 big to play the little girl parts anymore, and then I was too, um, you know. And then they did have black gidgets, which was you know, gidget was a teenage you know surfer girl or whatever. And there weren't any black gidgets, so I was washed up at 11, but through the, but uh, earlier on I did, uh, when I was doing professional theater, it was, it, it, it was terrific and I worked with some wonderful people who I later worked with when, uh, when I got older. One, one man who was, who was a mentor in my life was Sammy Davis Jr. and there was another woman who was a, it, the first show I did was with a woman named Helen Hayes who was the first lady of the theater, yada, yada, yada. Anyway. So anyway, fast forward, I washed up trying to go to school, whatever. Um, and then at the age of 15, um, one day uh, we, I was hanging out with some friends in the park on Edgecombe Avenue, and they said, here, try some of this. And it was Thunderbird. And I liked it. I mean, my family drank and partied and all of that stuff, and I probably drank some of their stuff, but my first real drunk was Thunderbird. And so I just loved it. And so when I, when I went home in the middle of the afternoon, and my mother was like, what's wrong with you? And I was an alcoholic, and I looked at her, and I said, I got the flu. And so that was the beginning of it. And so around that time, an agent who remembered me as a kid called and said, how old are you now? And I said, well, I'm going to be 61. I said, well, Joseph Papp, who does Shakespeare in the Park, is opening up a theater called the New York Shakespeare Festival, and it's going to be called the Public Theater. And it's downtown where the Onspach Theater, uh, where the uh, old Astor Library on 14th Street. He said, they, they're going to be doing a new show, and they want to have like teenage kind of, I don't know, kids who are whatever, so can you go and audition for it? it it's, uh, it's the show, it's called Hair. And so I went down there uh, to, the, to the theater, and uh, there was only one theater there in this big, everything was under construction. Now the public theater is this huge, it's magnificent, but this one theater was gonna be opening it uh, in, in, the, in the building. And so I went and auditioned and, 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 uh, and, and was cast in the show. And so being here, that started my whole thing again. And in that particular production, the very first production of here that was ever done, there was no nudity in it. I always say that because I just want you to know. <laughs> As if you care. But <laughs> I do. However, 
Because of the, the context of the show and all the that stuff and the girl on stage, it looked like we were smoking pot and all that kind of stuff, but that's what we were smoking. Well, maybe some of them were. But, I, but for me, I was an alcoholic. That was it. I mean, that was it. I loved to watch old movies and pretend I was Erna Loy. I was, you know, pretend I was a fancy white woman. <laughs> I had to be on many couches for that. Anyway, <laughs> but, and so I would, you know, with the, with the cigarette holders and the whole thing and the cocktails and yada, yada, yada. And so being in hair, it started a whole, I, I, I got back into theater again. And then from hair, I went into, uh, into a show called George M, which reopened the Palace Theater on Broadway. And, and what happened there was, that was really like a big deal in some ways. And so what happened was, there I was. There I was, downtown, with the glitterati, having cocktails, yada, yada, yada. And it was fantastic. And then the next thing, the, usually I never, I have to talk about my work, you know? That's a part of, that's a part of the story. Um, it's my story. So what happened was, um, I did the, the shows for Joe. I did George M. So forth and so on. And then um, another show came along, and it was called. It was a musical version of the Shakespeare play Two Gentlemen of Verona, and I played the character of Sylvia. Who is Sylvia? What is she? That always waits. Wait, Commander. We did it in Central Park, at Shakespeare in the Park. It was a huge hit. And so what happened was they were going to bring it inside. Joe Papp was not going to lose the rights to it the way he did with hair, which I did for him. And so we did, and so we opened up Broadway. And at opening that, when I was a little kid act, but the actress, I worked with Helen Hayes. And Helen Hayes told my mom, keep this girl in the theater. She has a natural gift. And Opening night at two gentlemen, you go to what? No, I don't need a microphone anyway. So, <laughs> I mean, really? Opening night at two gentlemen, which was at the St. James Theater, you go over to Sardi's to wait for the reviews to come out. And so I went over to Sardi's, and in and out walked Helen Hayes, who was this tall. And so I ran up to her and I said, Miss Hayes, you may not remember me, but I was in the show with you and you told my mom, keep, you, you keep me in the theater, yada, yada, yada. And she was like, because I have a gift. And she said, well, I saw you tonight in the show and I was right. And she just went off into the night. Well, what happened was I became the toaster problem. I mean, great group. And so it was on. It was on. I was like all of those movies that I saw, having the cocktails, doing this, hanging out, being with fabulous people, yada, yada, yada. I was doing it. I was doing it. I was living that dream. 
win, and I was also nominated for a Tony Award. And, but the thing was, I was drinking a lot, but I felt I wasn't an alcoholic because I didn't drink until after the show. I didn't drink during the show. Uh, I would get blotto drunk, but it wasn't being drunk, I was being fabulous. <laughs> you know, there's a difference in being drunk and being fabulous. <laughs>
show, and the producer of the show, uh, she was, she, and Mariah, she was, she was a, a nice woman, but she took an extra kind of interest in me, and I was like,
You know, there's that, I call it the invisible line. And I crossed that invisible line. I was now, I didn't know. When I took a drink, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, and I thought I was being, I was protecting myself because I, I owned a restaurant and it's still down there. You know, I don't own it anymore. It's called the Rinjone Roadhouse. And it's a point. And so it was like, I, I, I owned a restaurant so no one could keep me out of it. So I could drink with Middle of my living room with my dog looking at me and my cat. 
that's looking down at me, and they were disgusted. <laughs> when the animals are disgusted, you're done. <laughs> and I don't remember the, the husband ever coming home, but that's another story, and he can tell it when he shares. So, that's uh, <laughs> my story. So what happened was, I um, decided I was going to eat, make some food, and I started drinking some wine. And the next thing I remember is waking up in my bed. The husband, the phone rings, and it's that producer that I hadn't talked to in two years. And she said, "You've been on my mind. How are you doing?" And I said, "Diane, I'm an alcoholic. I need to go to AA." And. And so that was a Monday. So meanwhile, I don't know what happened to him, because I was like, he never came home. He said, yeah, I did. You cooked, tried to cook spaghetti or something, and I walked in with a pool of your vomit, and it was all red, and I cleaned up and put you in. I had no recollection of it. So I went to my first meeting at, um, it was at the Old Canyon Club, and I walked in and sat there and in the back of the room, and, and I don't know, I know you remember what the Old Canyon Club looked like. It looked like a dank, dirty bar in the East Village. <laughs> I loved it. Yes. I did. I loved it. So I went to my meeting there, and you could smoke in meetings there, and you could, and you had, uh, you could smoke in meetings and they had ashtrays and dirty coffee pots and all that stuff. And so it was like, and I didn't like people to hug me. I didn't want anyone coming near me. Because I, I didn't come to Alcoholics Anonymous to get sober. I didn't know what I was there for. I really didn't. I just knew that, that I was, I just, you know, that, I was going to learn how to drink so I wouldn't be able to black out anymore. And I thought, I'll take a rest from the drinking thing. And so, and I'll, that way I'll be able to rest. Um, what happened was it was like, so if people wanted to come up and hug me or whatever, meanwhile, it's some Muriel, and I went up to her and I said, you can save a seat for me? And she's like, yes, right here. However, so that people wouldn't bother me, I would, there was like coffee pots and the dirty ashtrays and stuff, and, and when people would say, well, sweep the floor, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm a star. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Do you know what's up? <laughs> that was my thinking, but because I didn't want people to bother me, or hug me, or look at me, or whatever. I did. I cleaned the. I swept the floor. I did that not to be a good AA, so I would be left alone. But what I was doing that I didn't know I was doing was I was doing contrary action to what my head was telling me. I was doing at contrary action. What you know, I did. 
didn't want to do any of that stuff, but I did it anyway. And what I learned, and, and the thing is, is I was not a happy, a happy Alcoholics Anonymous person. I really wasn't. Um, and my sobriety day has remained my sobriety day, too. So I guess what I'm saying is that it doesn't really matter what you think. It doesn't really matter how you feel. It doesn't even matter what you say. It's your actions, and it's your, it's, it's about your actions. And the thing is, is my head didn't want me to do the action, but I did the action anyway, and eventually the head caught up with it. And that took, believe me, I mean, I was 13 years sober and did a woman in a meeting of AA. I punched her out, she got on my nerves. <laughs> and so I had to make, yes, I had to make an amend to the meeting. I had to make an amends to the church where the meeting was held. And I even had to make an amends to her. And I didn't want to do it, but I did it anyway. The damnedest thing about, for me, and, and, and where the program is concerned, is that left to my, if I waited until I felt like doing something, I'd still be sitting on a bench in Harlem <laughs> in New York. If I was, because, and you know, yeah, I've got to be honest. There was a man who used to come to the to the Friday question and answer meeting, and when I called him Doom and Gloom Day, and he'd come into the meeting late, and he'd do all these statistics about who was going to make it in the program, who wasn't going to make it in the program. And for my first six months, I stayed sober on a resentment with him. <coughs> and it's amazing how much learning he got later on. And it's like, the thing is, is that there's things like working with to prove people wrong. I did it. I did it up because I was looking for those loopholes. It's crazy. I, I mean, the defiance, the defiance that I had to do the things to say, uh-huh, you see, I did it, and you guys are full of shit. <laughs> um, when I was 18 years sober, I wanted to know more about the about the traditions, because the steps were about, yeah, you know, we're to help me. <laughs> the traditions, not so much. I didn't really, you know, when, when, when I go to a step study and at the end of the month you have to do a tradition, I'd be like this. I um, but that's what happened. Um, I wanted to know more about the traditions. So I became a GSR. And um, now I believe in general service like crazy. I think that I just love it. I, I love, I love, I love, I love the whole thing. And yeah, work-wise, you know, the thing is, is that, is that I've done some, you know, like, yeah, Google me, Wikipedia, that whole stuff. But sobriety, and as Cindy said, for me, sobriety is number one. It is absolutely number one. And, and when you put sobriety first, 
everything else is first rate. It just is. Um, I did a series, I've done a couple of series in sobriety. One, one, um, <laughs> one of the movie stories, you know, I'm, I'm in Sedona walking along, walking, you know, on those trails and stuff and looking at the cliff dwellers and the hymn that I was with then, it's another hymn, a sobriety hymn. <laughs> <laughs> he said, well, maybe you'll be in the Western. I said, are you kidding? I don't like some Westerns. <laughs> so I get back and I get a call saying, oh, you have an audition to go, you know, whatever. And so I go to the audition and this Native American actor walks in with all of this regalia and he said, oh, I just got off of a plane and it changed in the airport and so forth and so on. And, and, and we were like, oh, where, where are you from? He said, oh, I live in Sedona. And I said, oh. And so, meanwhile, I didn't really know what the series was about. But it turned out it was a Western. It was called Dr. Quinn and I was, did it for six years. And uh, it's still on, you know. So, but it was, it was those kinds of, but the thing is, is that I always would, would um, you know, prior to that doing another series for generation, I, I, I started AA meetings on, 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 at the studio, in my dressing room. Uh, I would do all sorts, I would, AA came first, you know, it, it's, before everything, before my sobriety comes before every single thing. And it wasn't that way, you know. Uh, now, and I learned, you know, you have to give it away to keep it. And, and another way I do to give it away to keep it is, is I'm on faculty at Saddleback College. Hi, uh, <laughs> Hi there. Um, and that's the way, you know, it's just, I, I oh, it's just so wonderful. Um, but I've got to, but it's taking time. It's taking time, and more is always revealed. And the thing is, is, is because I wasn't, my, my story isn't about, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't have the, the, DWIs or FUD or whatever. Because before we called the 502s, and now it's all up now. I never got a drunk driving. I never got to jail. I, you know, I was, you know, successful in my work. Yada yada yada. But the reality is, skin rows between my ears. The prison is between my ears. I can be in a room and be in a prison with a lot of people, you know? The freedom that I get from being sober and being a sober woman in Alcoholics Anonymous, I can't even begin to tell you the kind of freedom that is. And it's because one size does not fit all here, you know? One size, and I got to, you know, it's like, oh, you'll be rocking it into, you'll be rocking it where the hell you want to be rocking it to. For me, it's just, being able to be, because in the past, when I would tell my story, I wouldn't even want to talk about my work. Because I'd be like, oh, well, I don't want people to think it's ego. Shit, 
Thank you. So let's thank our speaker again.